Last year's finalists both dumped out, new teams staking their claim on the European stage. It's got all the makings of a classic Champions League season, but will it reach a conclusion? Hearts cut adrift, Leverkusen loom for Rangers, and the battle for Europe rumbles on either side of the border. All that and much more on Energy Extra Time. Edinburgh Napier Radio Group. Radio Energy. By the students. For the students. Hello and welcome to Energy Extra Time. I'm Sean McGill and as always I'm joined by Cameron Wonstow. We're a bit late for episode four but we're here, we've made it. Yep, we've done it man, we're here. It's all that matters. Yeah, some technical issues last week so we're sorry about that. If anyone was looking forward to the show, um, you're probably quite annoyed about that because last week Hearts had just won a bit of weekend in yep. Derby. We're going to come in and talk about what a good performance mm-hmm. it was and Liverpool was still in the Champions League so yep. you'd have been happy about that. Here we are a week later and it's quite a different set it's of circumstances. Changed. It's all changed, yeah. I was really looking forward to last week, and now we're here this week, and not happy at all. Liverpool's 42-game unbeaten run at Anfield came to an end at the hands of Atletico Madrid last night, as Diego Simeone's men ran out 3-2 winners in a Champions League classic. Despite Atletico's goal advantage going into the game, many still had Liverpool as the favourites for to come out of this tie. Did you feel like that going into this game? Do you still think yeah, yeah, Liverpool? Yeah, I, I felt like that going... At 1-0, when they were heading into extra time, I thought Liverpool will get a second, they'll hold on, all will be well. thought they were quite unlucky not to get more from the game. Probably should have won it in normal time, just a few missed chances, like Robertson hitting the bar, Salah having one just a few inches over. Really close, but you've got to hand it to Atletico. They, they, they might have had a little bit of luck on their side, but game plan paid off. Yeah, I mean, and the champions of Europe are out. This is Liverpool's, they reached the final back in um, 2018 it was mm-hmm. obviously they went a step further and won it last year and then now they're out at the last 16 stage and when that draw got made I was I, I think I said this on um, after the first leg that Atletico are perhaps the best team in Europe the best match to deal with this Liverpool team just yeah. the way they set up they're so intense but a very different type a different type of intensity to to Liverpool um, people had wrote this Atletico team off I mean they weren't performing uh, domestically knocked out the cup um, but it was a type of performance that's become synonymous with Atletico under Diego Simeone. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was they, they just parked the bus, but they do it so effectively. And Liverpool still did have a lot of chances. They had 35 attempts on goal, 12 shots on target, and the fact they had 16 corners, it just shows how many shots were just saved or blocked. Saved, by the way, All Black was my man in the match, for sure. All Black was unbelievable. Yeah, Simeone said after the game that he's as, as important to Atletico than Messi is to Barcelona. Because he just he can win you a game. Where do you rate All Black in sort of terms of European goalkeepers, worldwide goalkeepers? Up there, uh, top three at least. Uh, maybe Allison, when he's not injured, can be maybe just as good. I don't know about uh, De Gea's dropped off massively this season. I think uh, your comfortable top three is Allison, Ter Stegen, and All Black for me. I think that's. Probably. I think that's. Oh, I mean, I Ederson literally. would knock on that door, but I just think that All Blacks still managed to go underrated. Yeah. Despite consistently performing for Atletico yeah, yeah definitely yeah it's, it's amazing he's not got a big massive money deal but he's at Atletico who are a huge team they're now in the Champions League quarterfinals I don't think he sees any reason to leave to be honest and so Liverpool went a goal up and uh, just towards the end of the first half uh, brilliant win Adam Header down past All Black and in the second half was just sort of relentless pressure and, yeah, yeah. Um, a substitution that proved to be a good one Marquis Llorente, um coming on for Diego Costa 
but he's a CDM, but he was asked to play it on the right, and that midfield was so narrow. Yeah. And we always see Liverpool's fullbacks go high, but I mean, they were in goal scoring positions. You know that yeah, one with yeah. Robertson, he's it's it's yeah, if he's really a striker, yeah, yeah. because the fullbacks were allowed to go so, mm-hmm. so high yeah. because that midfield was really, really narrow, but it ended up paying off. And um, speaking of Urenti, he'd only scored three goals in yeah, his entire yeah. career before I'd last night, yeah, yeah. and then two it, from outside the box yeah. at Anfield. <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah, unbelievable. Is he not former Real Madrid as well? Yeah, so he from came from Real forty million euros in the summer from um, Real Madrid, and he's now scoring massive goals yeah, and yeah. historic goals mm-hmm. for Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you stand on the whole debate about Diego Simeone? I mean, uh, Michael Owen was quite critical in the BT Sports studio last night after the game. Um, said he, he doesn't think it's genius. He can respect what he does, but just. What Michael Owen was effectively saying, I'm paraphrasing, is that chucking 11 men behind the ball isn't genius, yeah. and it, it's not too much oh, to it's, celebrate. It's it's anti football, but it's it's smart anti football. I I was watching it as a like a Liverpool supporter, frustrated. You're you're so angry about how a team can play this way, but when they go up to the other end and get three goals in what maybe 20 minutes, it's not anti football. Like they've they've just done their job. They they were coming here with a lead to the hardest stadium in the world. What was it 42 games unbeaten? You said. Yep. How, 42 teams before you have failed to win that's how you win at Anfield by putting men behind the ball countering them even Maratta had his Torres moment in the last minute to get that extra goal and it was just it was a really really solid performance I said they rode their luck but it was still a really solid performance and you say that that that's the way to win at Anfield is to throw 11 men behind the ball but teams have been doing that for the past two seasons or, or whatever it is and Liverpool have still found a way yeah. to win or at least not lose the they're game. Just, they're just that good at it. So, uh, that so yeah. Do you think Diego Simeone would work anywhere else? Do you think he could recreate the success of Atletico or do you think this, those two clubs are just perfect for yeah, each other? Not to be stereotypical, but Italy. He probably does a good job in Italy. Also, I know like, they're historically defensive, but he just would do a good job. Also, he's been linked to Inter so many times. Also, Conte's done amazing there, so it's not going to happen anytime soon, but he has links to Inter Milan. I think he'd be brilliant there, but no, I think I, I don't see why he would leave Atletico. He's he's managed to get in the middle, uh, break through Barcelona and Real Madrid, essentially the old firm of Spain, and he's done wonders there. League titles, uh, Champions League finals. He's actually deserved to win more, in my opinion. But um, no, I don't see. So he's just he's just so effective at what he does. Even his game plan, you could tell Liverpool players were just getting frustrated by the antics of Atletico players, and that's him telling them to do that. It just it's a perfect fit. And you're talking about the frustration there. I think a lot of fans felt that and a lot of just sort of people within football find that sort of quite annoying the way Atletico play but from a personal point of view I find it so I find that find that Atletico team so likeable and I know I was I remember watching a good portion of the um their league winning season when um La Liga was on Sky and it's just cause it was great seeing somebody else mm-hmm. yeah, yeah up definitely. there vying for the title other than um, Barca and Real Madrid and even though there's sort of that anti-football and the theatrics, I mean, in Scotland, I think, I mean, maybe it's because I'm a Kilmarnock fan, but I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no, no, that play, that, that work ethic. Do. They all work for each other, they do exactly yeah. their jobs. How quickly they can get back into their shape. I mm-hmm. mean, Liverpool are so fast and the best counter-attacking team, arguably, in the world. And even when there was those slight moments we thought, oh, they're going to get caught out of position here, a matter of seconds, they're back in that. Yeah, so yeah. Those sort of two banks of four, João Felix just sitting behind Diego Costa. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was an absolutely yeah, fantastic there's, performance. There's, there's no room for selfishness or individualism or anything on that team. You just you work as a team. That, that's how they win games. You know, it's that simple. And from a Liverpool perspective, obviously it's massively disappointing to be knocked out of the Champions League. But the 
they're so far ahead in the Premier League, and we know how desperate they have been for a Premier League, but they didn't win the League Cup. They played a, a youth team because mm-hmm. um, they were in, Club World Cup. In, in Qatar for the Club yeah. World Cup. In the FA Cup, they played a bit part team again. There was some, it was less so than before, but still Curtis Jones, um, Nico Williams, all those such players were playing mm-hmm. in that game. So they've been knocked out by Chelsea. They've been knocked out of the Champions League now by Atletico. Does it now kind of feel a bit disappointing? Yeah, maybe. It's it's a tough one because they are still the holders of the Champions League. They've won the UEFA Super Cup, even though it was a penalty shot against Chelsea, and they've won the Club World Cup, the world champions. Do fans care about that? Super not, Cup, they, Club World Cup? Yeah, exactly. How many of them actually managed to go out to, was it Denmark, the Super Cup was in, and Qatar for the Club World Cup? How many of them actually went to go see that? How many of them actually watched it on TV? It's not the same as winning an FA Cup or a League Cup. They definitely should have prioritised at least one of the domestic cups, knowing that this was a competition they might not win again because yeah. Athletic were such a good team. And the thing is that Liverpool are so far ahead in the Champions League, we're so far ahead that they, they could have afforded to sort of maybe maybe chuck Nico Williams in it right yeah, back yeah. in a Premier League and game exactly. against Bournemouth yeah, yeah, yeah. and then actually Definitely. pull out a full-strength squad against Chelsea. I mean, yeah. The Premier League is pretty much wrapped up and, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it just feels like Liverpool fans have been waiting 30 years for... Um, a league title and obviously they'll enjoy it and obviously if you'd said at the start of the season um, the only thing you win this year is the Premier League they'd have snapped your hand off yeah, but yeah. it's just kind of the way it's panned out these yeah. last few weeks or the m- last month or so it's sort of it's, just it's dampened like, it a bit it's almost like if you went back to November no one would even whisper no Liverpool fan would whisper that they were going to win the league they wouldn't jinx it but then as soon as it started to get like that they expected to win everything now all of a sudden they're out of all three competitions that they could have won alongside it and now there is a disappointment it's it's They've got too hyped up after not getting hyped up at all in the first part of the season, and it's just another letdown, basically. We'll now turn to the team Liverpool beat in last year's Champions League final, ironically at Atletico's Wanda Metropolitano, as Spurs were humbled by RB Leipzig, losing 3-0 in Germany. Leipzig performed so well in London in the first leg that he didn't really get the impression that Spurs were going to have much of a chance in Germany, but you never th- you thought Mourinho could pull off a great performance, sort of counter attack and soak soak up the pressure, but it just didn't happen like that at all. No, no, definitely not. Leipzig just came out from the first minute and went for them basically, and within twenty one minutes, Sibitzer had to. Uh, all you can really really say is that Leipzig were brilliant. Nagelsmann's got them playing brilliant football. I, I've said it before; he will be at a top team top team soon, hundred percent. Um, Tottenham just didn't look like a Champions League team. I, I know they're struggling without Son, without Kane, without Bergwin for that game as well, but at the end of the day, going out and getting beat 3-0, it's, it's a tough result to take. I, I wonder how it'll affect them in the league as well. Yeah, Forsberg added a third for um, Leipzig later on in the game, but the thing, that, a, lot of, a, lot, a lot has been made about this, the injuries that Spurs are facing. Mourinho said that, it's basically saying that no manager in history has ever faced these oh, sorts of, um, this injury crisis um, like he has, but, it's, they're all attacking players that they were missing mm-hmm. and Bergwijn, Son, Kane and it's defensively they're just not good enough yeah, I mean, exactly. against Burnley the other week they, was, they were getting a hard time on Twitter because he was playing five centre-halves against mm-hmm. Burnley I mean it was a back three of Tanganga, Dyer and Alderweireld and you see Serge Aurier just get caught out for that yeah, second yeah. goal with that header I mean I don't think I've ever seen Serge Aurier have a good game No, I, just, I don't know how he's still I don't know why they sold Trippier I know he wanted to go and wanted to experience famous Atletico Madrid. Spurs fans hounded them. Exactly, but and did you see how Keenan Trippier played last he's, night? He's brilliant. I thought I mean, he was alright. Uh, yeah. That's possibly, sorry to move back to Liverpool, but that's possibly the most feared left-hand side in yeah. world football, Andy Robertson and Sadio Mane. Yeah, and Keenan no Trippier had an absolutely fantastic yeah. game. 
And then you look at Sergio Aurea, <laughs> and he's been, like you said, I've not seen him have a good game either. I've not, not even if I've missed a game and watched the highlights. He seems to do something just barbaric. Red cards as well, just a strange one or two. Terrible disciplinary Awful, record. yeah. And it's it's just so removed from what you expect a Mourinho side to be. I mean, there's no clear identity mm-hmm. or style, and it's kind of already getting to that sort of, it's a, sort of a cliche with Mourinho, but that third season that people yeah, say that, yeah. Just sort of everything seems to be falling apart, but yeah. well, to be half- fair, I think uh, I hate the idea that every manager needs like a transfer window, but I feel like he really does because if, he, if he's having to chuck in Tanganga, who Pochettino didn't see anything in it seems he was never in the team when Poch was there, uh, he's had to bench and Dombley because of his attitude problems. I think he was re- struggling to get back from a fitness issue, and that's their club record tra- uh, club record transfer. Like Mourinho clearly doesn't like what he's working with, and that's not his fault. He needs some new signings, get rid of some deadwood, get some wing backs in for a start because half the time they're playing Vertonghen out at left wing back and that's just, he's got a good cross on them but that's it. They really, really, really need some signings in the summer. There's two things I would talk to you about off the back of what you said there. I'll start with, and you're saying about needing recruitment and all that sort of stuff. When Mourinho took the job, the, the first thing that sort of stood out was how is that relationship between Jose Mourinho and Daniel Levy going to work because Jose Mourinho's always needed big mm-hmm. signings, big mm-hmm. money signings. Yep. Not that it's a criticism of him, but that's the way he likes yep. to operate, and that's why um, it didn't really work out at Manchester United because he wouldn't pay the money for him. And Daniel Levy's known as a sort of shrewd businessman, yeah. won't get um, the wallet out too often. And Mourinho's consistently said, This squad doesn't need money thrown at it. I'm very happy with this squad. Mm-hmm. But surely yeah, that, that can't be that, the case. That I mean, will like that ring true in the summer? Do you think that Spurs will? spend in the summer I don't think they will but it's what Mourinho want that's definitely just him trying to look good for the cameras and trying to settle down the press but he definitely needs some big money signs and he's done it from the start well maybe not the start of his career but from when he came to England with Chelsea with Abramovich that's exactly how he's operated and yeah Daniel Levy won't fork out a lot of money what what was Ndombele's record fee was that about 38 which isn't a lot for a top 6 English Premier League club when you look at some of the other teams records so yeah, I think there could be a bit of backroom drama in the summer for Tottenham. And you've just picked up again on the second point I want to talk to you there when you said that Mourinho was just saying that for the cameras. And in the first sort of month or so of his, um, his reign at Spurs, it was all very smiley, Jose. His public mm-hmm. image had changed. He was high fiving ball boys and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And we've seen in the last month or so that's really that mask has slipped yeah. and he's back to being um, sort of same old uh, Jose. And the question I wanted to ask you about that is: Is Mourinho can Mourinho still work at top level ma- at top level football for these players? I mean, Mourinho's most successful period is sort of Porto, Chelsea, into Milan, mm-hmm. and players were a different breed then. Yeah. And now it's a sort of you need an arm round, you need a sort of you need encouraged, and mm-hmm. he's but he's meanwhile Mourinho's out in the press, yeah, Slayton and Dombley, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tough one because um, he clearly does have he, he's not just got lucky he's won Champions League with Porto that's just unheard of one of his first clubs Chelsea yeah he had a lot of money but he had a completely new team that went out and broke Premier League records within a season or two I think I think ironically that actually do well at a lower team but again it's a team that would need to have money like if Newcastle got took over that would be a great project to see imagine a make oil rich Newcastle with Jose Mourinho coming in and just slating the players every single week until they won the league but that's not going to happen so I think he maybe I think he's maybe finished in England if he doesn't turn it around at Tottenham maybe time to go back to Spain or Italy maybe even have a go at Germany or France but time will tell 
and we're talking about Mourinho maybe not being able to fit in as a modern manager these days. The very epitome of the modern manager is Julian Nagelsmann, in the, who was in the Leipzig bench. Um, he's the youngest ever manager in the Champions League. He's now got his team to the quarterfinals. He's he's thirty two years old, yeah. um, and he has his team playing an incredible brand of football. They all seem completely invested in what he does. Um, there's a really good clip on the BT Sport YouTube that sort of like it's like five minutes long and just like quickly charts his rise, mm-hmm. and it's a really interesting story. And the Leipzig players, he was announced sort of midway through last season that he was going to come to Leipzig, and he, um, they were just talking about the excitement that they had mm-hmm. about this guy coming because they saw his Hoffenheim team, yeah. and how well they played, and like you said uh, earlier on, he is going to be yeah, 100%. He, he's going to get a huge he's, job. He's so driven. I don't know if you saw there was an article in the Athletic, and he was so he, he got an injury when he was early twenties. He was a up and coming centre back, but like a really forward minded centre back, a really um, attacking centre back, and he got this injury, had to retire, and that's why he's so determined to make it to the top. And you can you can see it in him. He's he's clearly just a focused individual, and um, I think at the age of 32 to be doing what he's doing and I'm sure we said this last time we done the podcast but his Hoffenheim team took them from relegation to Champions League football and stuff it's incredible the rise that he's had he's a month younger than Messi and (laughs) Messi's having this sort of like uh, he's the best player ever and he's but think about Messi's still got a few years to go in his footballing Mm. career and this guy's having an amazing managerial career already Um, and it'll just be interesting to see where it goes I mean I was I was going to say that um that at 32, he realistically, he could have another 40 years at yeah, top-level no, ma- yeah. management. Mm-hmm. But um, in that clip I was talking about BT Sport YouTube, uh, he's saying that um, apparently he plans on, re- on retiring at 45, 46. Yeah, just I, doesn't I want to work past 50. Steven Gerrard said that recently as well. He doesn't want to go on like, like a Sir Alex Ferguson or whatever. He wants to maybe retire a bit early. So it's interesting some managers do it because that wouldn't happen back in the day. It's also yeah. it's maybe even a money thing. They sort of sit down, semi-retiree, you know. But... Um, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if that will if that's what will happen. We'll move on to the other game that hap- took place last night as PSG took on Dortmund at the Parc de Prince. And this was finally poised as well. Dortmund had a two-win advantage going in from the first leg. But PSG reached a Champions League quarter-final. Uh, two goals uh, to nil. Neymar and Bernat getting them for the Parisians. Were you expecting that kind of this game? Because it's one of those games where we knew how good the attacks were and um, but it was kind of like it almost seemed like a toss of a coin who would go through this tie. Yeah, yeah, kind of. It's a it's a tough one to call. So we're not going to go into it now. But behind closed doors as well, it, it, it does change the atmosphere. It changes how the players think, how they play, and stuff. It's like you can still hear the them league. though. Did you? Yeah, you, you, you can hear the ball getting yeah. kicked as well. It's so the highlights for that were a weird viewing. But, but, um, I'm saying like you can still hear the PSG the fans, fans outside. outside. Yeah, but the f- you see the fireworks as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But which I thought was brilliant, by the way. Um, trying to give them some sort of atmosphere, but. Yeah, it was, a, it was one of those games that could easily go either way. As we've said before in the podcast, similar tactical styles, really exciting teams. Um, and that's kind of how the first half went. Uh, the second half, not so much. It, I think it turned a little bit feisty. Also, Emery Shan got sent off towards the end for a scrap as well. But Neymar and Bernat, nice goals. They just looked a more dangerous team, I thought. Sloppy defending, I thought, from Dortmund for the two yeah, of them. A little and, bit, yeah. um, that's kind of been Dortmund's downfall. I mean, we know that they can score goals mm-hmm. at will almost. Haaland, Sancho... Hogan has a Julian Brandt, a fantastic mm-hmm. forward line, but the defence has let them down. I mean, yeah. um, they've conceded 33 goals in the league, and that's the most out of Bundesliga's top five. So, sort of in terms of their peers, they're performing yeah. the worst there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big talk about coming to this game is sort of less so PSG's win, and social media just grabbed on to yeah, PSG's yeah. celebrations after the game. Do you want to talk us through that? 
it's awful. Um, basically, I'll say the Halloween celebration. I'm sure if anyone's listening, they've seen it. The sort of like the Buddhist almost. Yeah, that? yeah. So it's like a sort of yoga. Cross-legged pose. and sort of the hands, hands out. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sort of took over. It's went viral, viral as he's went viral. Um, and last night Neymar done it when he'd scored, but it was only just caught by the cameras, so that mm-hmm. didn't really make much attention. Yeah. But photos emerged after the game of them all in the changing room and all of them together about 20 grown adults this is my point 20 grown adults doing the celebration then Mbappe's doing it on his live Instagram feed and it's all just a little like they're picking on a 19 year old that just put two past them two weeks ago <laughs> and he didn't even have that bad a game he just kind of got shot by PSG's brilliant defence but I don't know your opinion Sean I, I'm absolutely 100% against it <laughs> my opinion is just funny <laughs> like it just is funny like, okay, I agree it's a little bit funny, but it's still I just don't see the point like, in it. I think there should be some of that in football. I mean it's I mean You know what, you know what? You know what I would find funny is if PSG got next round and Haaland puts on his Instagram him doing the Mbappe celebration. That's funny. But they've started it. I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't Haaland didn't promote I mean, them at especially all. Especially as someone who watches a lot of Scottish football, that sort of stuff. I just think as part <laughs> of the game it makes it more engaging, it makes it more funny. I guess. Um and Haaland should take that as a as a, I mean, oh, as a it's, it's the fact that he's a star. Yeah, it's yeah. the fact that oh, he shouldn't feel bad about that at all. He's got no. so much attention. Mm. I know you're saying they're picking on and that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, Mbappe's a similar sort of age to him. Those two, are, as I said, I think on the, our first ever show, that those two are sort of the next generation yeah. of talents, the next yeah. Messi Ronaldo sort of conversation, perhaps. And oh, I just think, I mean, it's the same in the Women's World Cup in the summer when Alex Morgan did the T7 celebration against England. That was funny. This is funny. You're saying that that I would quite like, you know, Ronaldo and Messi, as much as it's always been quite a cold relationship, they've always been quite respectful. I would love Haaland and Mbappe just to go for each other. Yeah, just constantly rip each other out. Instagram stories, but TikToks about each other and stuff. That would be amazing. Ideal. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, Alphonso (laughs) Davis involved, his TikToks are outstanding. I think now's probably a, a sort of fitting time to talk about. Um, the big story that's looming over not just football but the world, society, everything. And this game was played behind closed doors because of fears over uh, the coronavirus. But as we just said earlier, that the fans were fight, they were all outside, mm-hmm. they're all shout. It's a massive group all yeah. gathered in the centre of Paris. And even Kurzawa goes out with the fans and yeah, is in amongst uh, them yeah, getting yeah. sort of. Yeah, and it's like, it, is there a point in even if fans aren't going to follow these sort of precautionary measures put in by the government, put in by governing bodies, then it's just going to lead to games being called off. Exactly, it? yeah. But why not just allow them in the stadium if they want to turn up, they can turn up. If they want a refund, they can get a refund. You know, That, that would be no problem. I'm sure PSG would be all right doing that. They'd still make more money. But the, I just don't understand. They're going to have thousands, possibly maybe not hundreds of thousands, but maybe half Ten, a Tens thousand. of thousands. Tens yeah. of thousands, that's the right word. Um, going for it. And... They're all outside, and they're probably going to be drinking as well, something they probably could do in the stadium. That makes it a lot worse, a lot more hugging, a lot more close contact. It, they're just going about it the wrong way, either putting serious repercussions or just kind of be a bit more lenient, you know? And you just have to think that games are just going to start getting called off now. I mean, Absolutely. Um, Real Madrid players are in quarantine for the next 15 days after one of the basketball players were uh, found to be uh, found to have coronavirus, and... Daniel Rugani, a Juventus player, has yeah. contracted the virus. Um, it's worrying, and as much as we love football, as much as we want to see it happening, mm. um, just some things are more important. Yeah, definitely. It's it's also just the logistics of it too. Like y- you would be gutted if there's no football for a couple of weeks, but the Euros are coming up. There's not an open summer where they can just play into it for a few extra weeks, take a later kick off next season. There's huge tournaments that are being played, and 
these players are going to miss weeks with the quarantine issues. It's going to keep happening, keep happening to every club that's coming into contact with anyone, uh, as they should. But it, it's a tough one. It's more the logistics of how they deal with it. And you can't just cut a season short, in my opinion. Like You can't just have a team relegated right now. You can't just have a team win the league right now if they weren't going to win it, if they played another eight games. It's, it's, it's a multi-million pound industry and owners just won't allow it. And another game that's played behind closed doors, we'll really quickly go over this. Last one, Valencia and Atalanta. Um, Atlanta, Atalanta just continuing to score goals. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy the number of goals they score. Um, and they're now in a Champions League quarter-final, and that'd be a real sh- another um, a team who I'd feel really sorry for if, uh, mm-hmm. if, if uh, yeah, the Champions League season was to end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, what is it? It's 86 goals between the league and the Champions League this season for Atalanta. That is just unbelievable. And it's what? It's just m- hitting mid-March. It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable how much um, school, uh, goals are scoring, sorry. Um, Ilicic has got 15-21 league games. He's the oldest player to get four goals in a game. The records are breaking. They're just unbelievable. Um, also, just a quick mention, I thought Gamayro had a good game. Yep. Just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. He got two goals. He's kind of under the radar because of Ilicic, but really good goal, and Torres with a nice one as well. And providing that the, cha- the competition goes forward, I'd like to see... Atalanta and Leipzig face each other in the next oh, round. That'd be a fantastic game, and then one of them would be in a Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, sorry, semi-final. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be absolutely fantastic. Definitely. Um, we'll stick with Europe for just now and move on to a massive game: Rangers take on Leverkusen at Ibrox um, tonight, as we record on Thursday afternoon. Do Rangers have any hope in this game? I think they have hope. I know they've had shocking league form, really, really poor league form, and clearly mentally they're not all there. Jevard looks like he's just packing it in almost but they've shown in Europe how good they can be that what that last performance against Braga was incredible we said that last time we were on um, they do have some issues also Highlander's still injured I think their biggest problem is their centre-backs and even the it looks like when they're their most fragile that's when Tavernier sort of goes as well makes a lot of mistakes so missing Highlander's huge I don't know if Edmondson will start a game but from what I've seen of him not rating them at all um, Tavernier himself, Jack and Barisic are all doubts so if they are missing their two best fullbacks and probably one of their best centre-backs I think they're in trouble but um, Morelos is back so if he can grab a goal uh, especially in the second leg should it go ahead behind closed doors the away goals will be super important so they just need to keep it close in my opinion Yeah, I mean um, Tavernier's a, a, a doubt he's going to be kept up right to the last minute um, you'd assume that Matt Polster would um, deputise for him if uh, mm-hmm. Tavernier did miss out who is, I don't think he's been particularly bad in his performances. No, he's but um, Exactly, he's not experienced yeah. it. He's going to come up a very good team, a team who set fourth in the Bundesliga. They're unbeaten in their last nine games. Yeah, it's crazy. They play that sort of so very well. typical German 4 2 2 2. I don't know, it's Peter Bosch, is their manager. Yeah, yeah the former Ajax I, I, and I know that, uh, yeah, Borussia yeah, Dortmund manager. That's brilliant. Um, they've registered the third most shots um, in the league this season behind just Bayern and Leipzig mm-hmm. so they're very attacking they'll go for it oh, yeah. and I think the player to watch is Kai Havertz he's an absolutely fantastic Definitely player not, yeah. usually sort of a number 10 but um, because of the injuries to Kevin Volland and their star striker he might be a bit yeah. further forward in the game tonight he's been linked to Bayern and the disappointing thing about Jack missing out is I was really excited to see I, I really rate Ryan Jack I think he's an absolutely fantastic uh, player it would be fantastic to see him against a top level European midfield and I think Rangers will struggle a bit without them. But this team's set up for Europe. It's they, they, they struggle to break teams down in the league, but the the, the defensive capabilities of the midfield, the counter-attacking qualities of Kent and Morelos, mm-hmm. Hadji can find them with those balls over the top as we saw in Portugal in the last in the last round. That's, um, they that's, have a chance. That's what I was just going to say. Also, Hadji, I, I was 
pinpointing him out to be sort of their focal point because Morelos could go missing. I think Hadji has been incredible the last few games. Um, what's amazing as well is that if Jack's out, so is Sven Bender for Leverkusen. So both teams missing their holding midfielders and both of them have brilliant attacking mids, whether they're out wide or in the central role. So it'll be really interesting to see that midfield matchup. Up next, we'll look ahead to a high-stakes weekend of Scottish Premiership action and discuss whether there's any way back for Hearts in their relegation dogfight. Edinburgh Napier Radio Group. Radio Energy. By the students. For the students. Before we look ahead to the weekend, we'll start in Paisley last night as St Mirren ran out 1-0 winners against Hearts. It was a massive game. We know that the importance heading into this game. Two teams right down there at the bottom. And... Stendhal's implied in the media that there was just a lack of fight for Hearts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's all there was to it, really. Um, got to say, Abika for Saint Mirren. A quick mention to him. He's been brilliant. Recently. Really good goal. Oh, really good goal. Shocking defending, it's, but it takes it really well. I'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really good goal. Great finish. Um, just thought I should mention that before we go on to Hearts because there's so much to talk about with Hearts because it's clear there was no fight. Stendhal clearly can't really organise a defence. I had no idea who was marking who, who was in what position, really, apart from the two centre-backs. Even they, most of the time, were out of position. Um, the high line, just not good enough. It's how they got caught out again, a long ball over the top. That's another one. I mean, when are... I was saw the goal, and I was like, when are Hearts going to learn? I mean, that's uh, another long ball over the top. With a strong striker with a bit of pace has got him behind mm-hmm. him and just said to Dikamona and Suter, no chance yeah. of you getting this ball pushed them both off and finished it past yeah, them. Like, well, well Halkett is one of those players that can, that should be able to deal with that. Halkett really can deal with it. But Dikawona, what well, you saw, he can do a job sometimes. He's maybe a good late sub to come on and just clear the ball, but he got so caught out there. Bika took one touch and Dikawona went flying past him. It was an awful tackle. Uh, Halkett was obviously put off by that, couldn't get back. And it was a good finish. Um, the, the, another one as well, don't want him to go missing, but Loic Demore gave the ball away for it with one of the most aimless passes I've ever seen um, and I think he's just as um, he's just as at fault as Halkett he had a really poor game and um, I, I just don't understand how players like him are still on the side why not let Andy Irvin come on earlier why not put Sean Claver in the side I'd give him a chance there it's a weird one it's, it's really hard to put on top of but the fact Hearts had one shot on target I think maybe three shots in total one on target and it was Hickey about 30 yards out and the ball re- barely reached the goal mouth like keeper they just took a touch and kicked it that's how bad it was um, apart from a penalty shout late on Hearts offered nothing St Mirren probably deserved to win 1-0 um, really quickly is there anything in that Dicamona penalty shout right at the end for you yeah probably I think? I, I think I'm not saying every referee would give it but I thought yeah he was dragged down I thought he probably would have made at least challenged the goalkeeper for the ball because it was quite close to the goalkeeper it, it didn't seem like he had much chance to get in there but the player clearly just takes a step forward Dicamona takes a step in and that's how he gets dragged down. And I, I think it's a penalty, but it's not one I'm going to. I'm not going to pin the game on it. Really soft for me. I wouldn't. I don't think it's a penalty. Um, that takes the buddies up to ninth, so they're really getting some distance between mm-hmm. them and the others in their um, relegation fight. And Hearts are now six points off safety, four points off the playoffs, the playoff spot. Um, and going back to that lack of fight that uh, Stendhal was talking about, the, you couldn't say there was a lack of fight in the Rangers. Scottish Cup game you couldn't say there's lack of fight in the Derby Easter Road last week no. so why can they get up for those games and not these games that are actually probably even more crucial yeah. to the, the it's weird it's not, status it's not like the Rangers and Hibs games aren't pressured environments they're more so but it's like the teams around them are just more 
they're just more capable of dealing with it. I don't know if it's because the managers are more used to like than Stendhal. I don't know if it's because the players are worse and they have been in relegation battles before. They know exactly how to come into these games. Whereas players like Stephen Naismith, um, Liam Boyce, very rarely in a relegation battle, like maybe one season in their careers at teams like Norwich and Burton. But um, even like players like Halkett and stuff, they're just not used to that environment and they're getting caught out big time by teams that just know how to win these kind of games. Do you think Hearts can stay up? Uh, I'm getting less assured of it by the week. It's it, they need something big. They've got Ross County soon. If they can win against Ross County, that's that's where the points will come from. But it seems like it seems like the next game against Levy is probably where we'll win, and then we'll lose to Ross County because that's just how we've been doing recently. And then, but then the split comes around, and you get a chance to play all those teams at the bottom anyway. But they can't seem they don't seem no, to perform exactly, those games. Yeah. You would expect them to take fifteen points, but. Any other season, they would. They'd be sitting in seventh. They'd be raging they hadn't gone to the top six, but that's not how it looks this season. It looks like they'd maybe be scrapping for draws, hoping it pushes them up a little. And it's just, I think at this point, it's got to be aimed for that playoff because I don't think it's a very high-quality championship this season. Dundee United run away with it. Even then, they've kind of stumbled Mm. since the turn of the year. I mean, Inverness was in second that league. And it would, you, it you would saw probably be Inverness, yeah. And you, you saw Inverness uh, mm-hmm. when you were at Easter Road for Energy Sport and they got pretty well beaten by, well, yeah. thrashed by Hibs, yeah, yeah. really. So you would, you'd fancy Hearts and all those games, but you'd fancy Hearts against these, these teams. That and that's a tough one. And uh, games like that, is it a playoff they'll play? Is it a two-leg two playoff? Yeah so, yeah, so they'd play, it's Inverness, maybe it's Air United, who I, I don't fancy at all. Neither um, do I, just to say, <laughs> don't fancy yeah, United. Not. Be good to see them come up, though. I love, um, this, I love Vesha Derbies every year. Brilliant. Um, but I just, yeah, Hearts, I could see Hearts going in that playoff and drawing 0-0 or something, and then that's it, bottle collapses, they're gone, basically. That's us relegated. It's, it's a really, really awkward one. And as you said, they've got a tough game coming up next. They go to Tony Macaroni to play Livingston. That's a really tough place to yeah, go. Yeah. They've only conceded seven times at home this season. They're still... Uh, um, best team outside the old firm at home this season and they'll still might be memories of that 5-0 defeat last season that will loom over the, the, uh, the Tony Macaroon I don't understand it because it's, it's quite an empty stadium it's almost like the players get psyched up by the fact they are the smaller team it's like they just they get so psyched up against the big teams they think yeah we should have a full stadium here watching us but they don't like that 5-0 there was like double the Hearts fans and the Livingston fans that game and I, I think we could see a similar game this week like if Lyndon Dykes gets a goal first half hour maybe Livingston get a penalty they, they're quite good at converting them so Hearts could be in real trouble if they don't take the lead early and we'll move on to two teams who are very much in that dogfight with um, with Hearts as um, Ackies go up to the Highlands to play Ross County and it's a chance for Ackies to leapfrog County and get out of the relegation fight and they're in good form that's back to back wins for yeah. Hamilton over Rangers and Kilmarnock and clean sheets in their last three games County on the other hand only won one in their last 12 yeah. If I to, if you had to put somebody on it right now, who are these two teams is more likely to stay up? Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton would stay up. County have just been sleepwalking towards relegation the last half season. Um and Hamilton just uh, it's a little bit lazy, but they really are just good at staying up. They're, they they do it every single season. They're used to Ross County, since the moment they came up, they've never looked assured. I've been amazed that they've even managed to stay above tenth place for all season. It's like they just get a win every once in a while, a lucky draw. But like you said, only one win in twelve now. Um, come the end of the come the twenty twenty, it's a really, really awkward game. But I think Hamilton will just go out and they they'll get the win. Ross County will slip down, and I now feel if, any, if there's anyone Hearts are going to catch, it, it could be Ross County. And St Mirren will be looking to increase 
the gap between them and the relegation places when they go to Rugby Park to play a really, really out of form Kelly. I mean, haven't won since that two one one over Rangers, but it kind of looked like the Kilmarnock of old, mm. not too old, but we're back yeah, in the yeah. sense that um, they were beat the big teams. They f- stuck in, they fought, um, scored some good goals, um, and it sort of looked to be a turning point for Alex Dyer at Kilmarnock, and it just hasn't turned out oh, that yeah. way at all. I, I couldn't believe I checked the table and they're below St Johnston. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. That's ridiculous. But I think Kelly should. Kelly should win this game, but if Abika continues his form, like he is so dangerous up top. I can't express enough how highly I've rated him this season um, since he's joined. I, I think Kelly should edge it, but a really, really tough game for them. If it goes wrong, then you don't know what could happen the I last mean, few games of the season. They need to watch they don't get sucked into this yeah, relegation yeah. battle. I mean, they're, only, safe, but they're only four yeah. points off St Mirren and Ross County, so exactly. if yeah. St Mirren were to beat Kelly on um, Saturday, then... Mm-hmm. That's a that's a one yeah, point difference. It's amazing how fast you'll fall in. Exactly. Yeah. So it's almost similar to sort of Hibs that season when mm-hmm. Teddy Butcher was in charge. That yeah. just sort of didn't seem to be much going wrong. A change in the season and then nothing really. Um, they, I think they didn't win any in the last fourteen games. I was looking up recently. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's too easy. It could I probably. really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but Kelly still have an outside chance of top six. They're only four points off um, Hibs, who are um, at the bottom of it. They're sixth, but. Hibs and St John's have a massive game at Easter Road. I mean, they'll be they're just a point in behind Hibs, and mm-hmm. um, they've got a game in hand. It is at Ibrox, so it will be a tough one. Um, I think the story here is St John's turnaround. I mean, they were really struggling at the bottom of the season. There was calls to get rid of Tommy Wright, which I just thought were absolutely yeah, ridiculous. I don't know about you. A little bit much. A little bit much. Yeah, he's done so well for them. Why? Fantastic job. European football for St Johnston. He's clearly been trying to change his system, and it's it's finally paying off. It, he's maybe went back a little bit to his old system, but. It's paid off. They're in seventh. They have a real chance to bump into the top six. Right, Hibs have lost the last two games, three one to Hibs, Eto, sorry, to Hearts and Aberdeen. If they don't bounce back this time, St Johnston really could leapfrog into top six, which would be unbelievable for a team many thought would get relegated. And St Johnston are unbeaten in their last six, so oh, um, in really good form going mm. into this game. Absolutely. Hibs will be without Stephen Whitaker after that red card at Pataudry. I think some Hibs fans might be quite pleased about <laughs> yeah, yeah. about that. Um, Scott Allen was on Open Goal this week with um, and he was talking about um, Jack Jack Ross being a really popular figure in the Hibs dressing room because he's so calm and he never gets angry but mm. I think there's a sense that Hibs need to sort of get a wee kick up the bottom uh, maybe yeah 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 because he is he's definitely that kind of guy he's so sincere and just calm cool collected doesn't really show his emotions often but that's maybe what kind of failed him at Sunderland as well a team that really needed a, a kick up their arse but um, yeah they, they just really need to find a bit of fight a bit of determination and um, another win or two and Hibs are right back in the European top so it could easily happen and like you said there I mean Alan was even talking about they still have aspirations to get European football but two teams are going to have to falter if they have any chance of that are Motherwell and Aberdeen who uh, play each other on Friday night it's mm, on, a, on BT Sport and just a point separates those sides, but they've both kind of been stuttering recently. Yeah, well, Motherwell, uh, I've got here, they've they've lost to St Johnston, drew to Hamilton, lost to St Mirren, beat Ross County, and then drawn at Hearts. So that's only five points against the bottom five in the team. Uh, uh, five of the bottom six, sorry, in the league. Uh, that's shocking for a team that was really high-flying, and it seems like they've not picked up any points since the turn of the year. And I think the really interesting thing heading into this game is the midfield battle. I mean, that's uh, Ferguson, Ojo and McGeoch probably up against Paulworth, Campbell and O'Hara. So it'll be, really mm. good. it'll be a really intense midfield yeah, battle, yeah. really fun to watch. 
I would reckon. But the big news coming out of Motherwell this week is that David Turnbull signed a one-year contract extension and that takes him to the summer of 2022. Mm-hmm. How big a deal is that for Motherwell? That's huge because if he comes back and he is no sign of his injuries back to his best again within a couple of months, then they could sell him again for a fee come the end of the season if he signs again just to maybe get them a bit of money. Because um, I don't see him staying. We've seen him almost go to Celtic. So I think if the deal comes in, he's happy to go and make the club some money. But uh, even just for their form as well, if he comes back, uh, if he's back fit for the last few games of the season, that push for third, they're really in the driving seat. And he, the re- he said that the reason he signed that contract is because he feels like he owes Motherwell something after mm-hmm. how well they've treated him after the aftermath of Absolutely. the transfer falling through and how they've dealt with him as injury. Did you catch the documentary that Motherwell put up? No, about, no, I didn't. Know I watched it yesterday, but I, I sort of reminded of it when I saw that Turnbull had signed an extension, so I chucked it on. It's about 40 minutes long, it's just really, really good. Talks about yeah. the transfer falling through, how he felt about that, his recovery, him getting back into the mm-hmm. team, and it's really well produced. I know it's kind of a cliche that, oh, Motherwell, social media content is great, but it really is uh, yeah. fantastic. I recommend mm-hmm. that people watch it. And the two teams sitting above those two teams we've just talked about are... Um, the two biggest teams in Scotland it's the biggest game in Scotland it's old firm Sunday 1 o'clock on Sky Sports Football and Sky Sports Main Event the league may be over but this is an opportunity for Rangers to have some sort of bragging rights over Celtic yeah totally if they can sort of dampen their title party almost uh, I'll say they'll play Leverkusen first tonight on Thursday um, but recently they've beat Ross County but they've also lost to Hamilton and Hearts which is unbelievably sloppy terrible mistakes at the back Celtic can really really punish them um, I don't think Celtic have any real squad issues like team news, almost injuries or suspensions so they're raving to go they'll have time off that Rangers won't so Rangers fans really need to get behind them at Ibrox on Sunday to give them any sort of fighting chance and I said the title race is over but it's a chance to get a bit of respectability back in this title challenge for Rangers I mean they're, if they win on Sunday they're 10 points behind they have a game in hand against St Johnson they're 7 points behind it doesn't it gives the impression that Celtic haven't walked to this title, which wasn't the case for the first half of the season at all. No, definitely. And it's just been these sort of like these sort of abject performances in the last mm-hmm. month or so that have really let them down. Uh, but it will be tough for Rangers, I and mean, this Celtic team are just relentless. And yeah, absolutely. The the best thing you can hope for is maybe Morelos finally gets a goal, and that might spark something for next season should he stay, uh, which I'm not convinced of. But there's not much Rangers fans can have hope for because end of the day, even if they do get back, as you've said. The best outcome is that they can maybe look at le- make it look a little less embarrassing um, and Celtic will do everything in their power and not let that happen. We'll have a really quick preview of the English Premier League and give you our games of the weekend next. Edinburgh Napier Radio Group. Radio Energy. By the students. For the students. So, um, starting this Premier League weekend, we've got Liverpool Everton or I should say Everton Liverpool at Goodison um, we'll see Adrian starting goals again um, after two mistakes that we forgot to mention actually we can mention it now uh, what do you think about that? I mean it's almost like a curse of Liverpool goalkeepers we all said Alisson's been fantastic and um, he's got loads of praise and rightfully so but I mean you when that happened last night and it dumped out the Champions League it was kind of flashbacks to that um, the Champions League final where Karius just Karius sorry just sort of let them down and I think Liverpool fans since then and since the sort of like middling form of Manually, um, they've got this real sort of apprehension about goalkeepers yeah. and 
he's not doing anything to sort of alleviate that. No, he had such a good start as well. So he was a hero in the Super Cup with penalty saves, but the fumble a week or two back and then the mistakes last night, more than one, the slip, the, the misplaced ball, which was, you shouldn't even kick that side of the pitch. Really awkward one. Um, moving on, we've got Tottenham hosting Manchester United. Uh, we've already talked about Tottenham, of course. Man United will face last ones of Austria tonight. Um, they've never lost to Austrian opposition, so they'll be coming in the back of that what should be a win, but we never know. Um, how do you think Man United will approach this? Man United are... It's, really, it's funny how the tables have turned. I mean, last year, Mourinho was in charge at Man United and Pochettino was in charge of Spurs. And Spurs are a team you love to watch, are really exciting, and then Manchester United were just really sort of boring and didn't sort of give you much. And now, what's changed at Spurs is I used to look forward to watching Spurs every week, no matter who they were playing. Mm. And then I'm just like, I don't really want to watch yeah, Tottenham Hotspur play football watch. because yeah. no, there's nothing exciting about it, there's nothing dynamic, it's yeah. all very passive. And Man United, on the other hand, since Bruno Fernandes just came in and sort of revitalised that team, mm-hmm. they're quick, they're aggressive, McTominay's back, and that was a brilliant goal again in the Manchester Derby last week. Mm. And, I mean, you wouldn't have expected Man United to be in this position, they really yeah. looked like they were going to struggle. Mm. They're doing but this. They're doing this. Sorry, without Rashford, without Martial, and also still no Pogba. But we're all expecting that. Also, McTominay's back. But like you said, that two 0 against Man City, and they're still playing this really exciting football. They're they're missing as many players as Tottenham are missing, but they're not making any excuses for it. They're just going for it, you know. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has completely turned it around. A lot of people doubted him. I think I was included in that. I didn't think he had the tactical mm-hmm. nous to be a top level Premier League manager. Agreed, but yeah. um, sometimes, it, unlike Mourinho, sometimes it is just a positive attitude around the place, an yeah. arm around the player Absolutely. can go a long way. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next game, uh, back in Manchester, it's Manchester City, who are second, taking on 10th place Burnley, who are slowly creeping up towards a European spot. Um, Man City, of course, come off the back of that 2-0 loss team after some really good results, a League Cup final win, FA Cup victory, Madrid. Um, they have three backed-up ties without a date, so we'll have to see how that goes. They'll have a lot of games coming up if they make it through in the Champions League. But, yeah, I think the story is really Burnley. If they can sort of shock Man City, they've, their last couple games, they've beat Leicester, United, Southampton, Burnmouth, and drew to Newcastle, Tottenham, and Arsenal. They've not lost a single game there, which I think is outstanding. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of seasons, you've had that sort of doubt at the start of the season, like, oh, maybe the sort of Burnley engine's starting to sort of wind down. But they just keep coming through. I mean, and people slag off the brand of football, but... Dwight Neal's a great, um, Dwight McNeil, sorry, is a is a great player. I mean, um, Chris Wood's been scoring goals. I think he's really ha- He's doing really well in terms yeah. of playing the goals. I think he's right up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think City will slip up again. I think when they slip up, they're always more likely to come out firing the next game. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd love to see Burnley push for Europe again because it was yeah. a fantastic journey last time, and hopefully mm-hmm. we can do it again. Oh, it'd be it'd be a great comeback after a fairly poor start to the season. Um, some other games we'll just wrap through these quickly um, Watford host Leicester Watford kind of coming back from nowhere to hopefully stay up and Leicester still home for Champions League um, Aston Villa League Cup finalists um, they're slowly going into the relegation zone but they are playing Chelsea at home Newcastle United take on Sheffield United a mid-table battle Sheffield still trying to push into Europe West Ham Wolves Brighton Arsenal uh, who have really poor form recently Burnmouth Crystal Palace and bottom place Norwich host Southampton. We'll move on now to our favourite part of the show where we ask each other our game of the weekend. Cameron's <laughs> assured me it's, a, it's an interesting one this week, so please please hit me. Well, this weekend I went to America. 
Inter Miami versus LA Galaxy. <laughs> it's on 7 o'clock on Saturday. Both teams, two games in the season, haven't won yet, but they're two huge potential teams. Inter Miami, it's their new franchise, first season, David Beckham's team. It's David, David Beckham Derby, this. David, yeah, it is, actually. I didn't even think of that. See, there you go. <laughs> there you go, you've made it better. Um, really interesting one, because they've come in with such... Uh, the f- the league has really been expecting a lot from them, and they've done nothing really. Not had any marquee signings yet either. It's probably going to come in the summer. What do you mean, Lewis Morgan signed for them? <laughs> That's very That's true. a marquee signing. He, if I've he, ever got heard the, he got the assist for their first ever goal. First ever so goal. There you go. Marquee, he is doing see? big things. And LA Galaxy, a huge team. They have Chicharito, Emiliano Insua, Jonathan DeSantos, Christian Pavon, and of course former Hearts captain Perry Kitchen. Best name in football. Um, they should be a, lead, a leading team, but they've drawn one, lost one. Both teams need a win. A draw would be disappointing. That's why it's my game of the week. So, you've obviously taken a lot of time to think about your game of the week and a lot of invention in that. It's really sort of off What's the your one, there. Sean? What's your one? Um, mine is the old firm. Yep, of course. <laughs> you almost went with another one, to be fair. I was you thinking can, about. Pick two, pick I was. Two I was thinking about Hamilton County because I do. I mean, as someone who's been involved in a lot of relegation fights, I do. I can appreciate <laughs> yes. the sort of. My um, how the manager of the um, games and how excited you are. I'm over this one. Yeah, you're yeah. you're quite new to it. You don't get mm-hmm. it that often. I mean, mm-hmm. there was that time where you're 15 points down. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think I just absolutely love an old firm. The intensity is always there, and although there's not much r- sort of tangible success riding on it, it's a real chance for Rangers to put a marker down. And sort of we know they've played them off the pitch in the League Cup final. They played them off the pitch at Celtic Park. It's another chance to go. Look, we are a better team than you. Don't care about the mm-hmm. league. We can perfor- We can outperform you whenever yep. we want. And Celtic will need to combat that. Yeah, and I think absolutely. that if Rangers were to put on a really good performance and beat Celtic again, then that's going to be in Celtic's head, not just for the meeting later in the season when after the split, but also going into their pr- prospective 10 row season. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So we'll wrap up there. Um, we hope to be back next week, but obviously with the ongoing situation, uh, we don't hundred not hundred percent sure how much football we played and how exactly. what the situation will be with the uh, university as well. So um, please keep an eye on our so- social media, especially Twitter at Energy Extra Time for all the, the updates there. Um, and we just want to say, hope everyone stays healthy and hope everyone has a really good weekend. So it's bye from Cameron. Goodbye. And bye from me. Bye. <laughs>